This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, later will be joined by Abby Barmore, in the show, got a good show on tap here. Um, Husker baseball coach Lance Harville, the assistant coach, is going to join me as the uh, Huskers open up baseball practice here this weekend. Uh, preseason ranked and all. Um, we're also going to be joined by Trey Palmer. Um, if you haven't had a chance, um, I've had an uh, opportunity now uh, after this week. I'll have 12 of these interviews posted, Robin, where uh, we get 30-plus minutes Husker chat live on the YouTube channels. and We've been downloading them as well on the podcast channel um, where Husker fans and myself have been able to ask questions in a professional kind of formatted style uh, to all the newcomers on this football team. And it's been interesting because that's really, you know, 17 guys, Robin, are here right now for the start of classes in the second semester. Yeah, there's probably not a better chance to get to know all these new guys when you get these one-on-one sit-down interviews. And I think the, the best part for me is the video element of it where, you know, you're not just hearing their voice, you're you're watching them uh, with the the – the video component we have with that, that uh, I think really kind of is a perfect introduction for all these new faces that a lot of them are going to be playing very high profile roles on Nebraska's roster on both sides of the ball. I don't know why it is, Robin, but when you talk to younger people, like a FaceTime phone call, like they are completely different. Than mm-hmm. like if you just talk to them on the phone traditionally. Yeah, and I think that's probably because that's what they're used to. I think that generation has grown up with the the video uh, communication, where a, a traditional phone call is old school and probably makes them a little maybe a little too formal for them. But when you get the the simulated FaceTime experience, that uh, that kind of loosens them up a little bit. Because we're we're we'll be up here um, with Trey and Bryce and other athletes all the time, and when they call people, they don't call them; they FaceTime everybody. Mm-hmm. And some of that is also a Wi-Fi thing. I think kids want to stay on their Wi-Fi, and you can FaceTime with Wi-Fi. You can call on Wi-Fi, I guess, too, mm-hmm. but um, you don't even need to have an active cell plan to FaceTime on Wi-Fi, right? Yeah, yeah, it's all through the all through the internet. So you're I mean, basically as long as you have an internet connection, you can run that. So get online. Um, we've got them on the podcast channel, also on our YouTube channel as well, and our Facebook page, um, Husker Chat Lives. They've been really, really interesting to do. Um, you know, one of the things Casey Thompson shared with me, Robin, the new quarterback uh, from Texas, is he planned on taking everybody out for stakes on the offensive line and bowling. Well, he did that this past weekend, um, took the entire offensive line to a, a Brazilian steakhouse here in downtown Lincoln. I don't even want to know what that ticket was. And then took everybody <laughs> to round one uh, bowling and, and game cards because they had to wait for bowling there. When you, I mean, you've been to round one, right? It's, it's, it's a cool Never. place. But it's not a big bowling alley. It's not like Sun, Sun Valley Lanes is on another level. That place is phenomenal. And so they had to wait to get lanes. Um, and then, you know, he got game cards. So, yeah, he he dropped a, a pretty good chunk of change on that offensive line and um, kind of trying to really embrace himself with his new team. And, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, I think this is a guy that is trying to, you know, let people know he's here to be a leader and get to work. It's like an NFL move where the quarterback takes his O line out for stakes. I mean, he's he's uh, certainly uh, taking a page from the pros and or an NIL respect. move. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that that uh, certainly helped uh, fund that uh, that decision. And some people on our site um, had been asking, "Oh, did Rodizio or somebody round one do an NIL deal?" No, um, I mean he paid for it legitimately on his own. So. He might have used some of his NIL earnings that he's made, uh, both at Texas and now in Nebraska, to 
uh, obviously pay for stuff like that. But yeah, it, it was really cool to see. Um, he shared some of those pictures on his Insta story, and we had one of them in in uh, the three two one this week. But seventeen newcomers. The latest one joining the roster was Omar Brown. Um, and you know, I think that the joke is Nebraska has added about twenty five receivers and DBs this off season. They still need linemen, uh, an O lineman, a D lineman, a pass rusher. Uh, but Omar Brown, Robin, a uh, guy from a school you're very familiar with, you you grew up in uh, Cedar Falls, Iowa, mm-hmm. uh, for a time of your life, um, was one of the one of the best players. Yeah, and so I know a bunch of people up there that uh, are big fans of Northern Iowa football. And so you know, same thing with Chris Kalarovec. Uh, asked him, you know, what Omar Brown was, and they said this kid's really, really good. And uh, you look at his resume. Uh, I mean, he was an FCS All American and. Uh, regard as one of the best defensive backs of the at the FCS level, so um, he's, he did have a injury shortened season a year ago, but um, you know he's he's pretty accomplished at that level. And you know you bring in a guy like that in, you got to expect he's going to push for playing time from day one. Uh, otherwise, you know he probably wouldn't waste his time. So um, an interesting addition for sure. Uh, you know secondary was one of those spots. I mean obviously line help is is still a priority, but I think that was an area that probably didn't get talked about enough about needing to maybe bolster the depth there. And certainly I think Nebraska has been able to accomplish that. And, and Omar Brown's a big part of that. And the portal still remains open. I mean, the, the, the caveat now is you can't get anyone here for classes, but they are still actively pursuing people in the portal, uh, particularly defensive tackle, mm-hmm. interior D line, um, offensive line, and then pass rusher. But I think honestly, Robin, if you poll <laughs> 25 different Division One programs right now, they'd all say, yeah, we'd take a lineman. We'd take a D, an O-lineman or a D-lineman and a pass rusher. Yes. Um, I mean, like, I no think question. I heard Todd McShay, not Todd McShay, but um, one of those ESPN guys say, like, the transfer portal's basically become a place that everyone's looking for a quarterback and a 6-2 corner. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Nebraska was able to accomplish those, and now they need some trench work where you can get some linemen. Uh, and so – when you look ahead, obviously the the time frame of getting kids here for transfers here for spring ball is probably much come and gone. But there's probably going to be a new round of portal activity post spring as maybe guys get a little bit more clarity on where they stand with their respective depth charts or new position coaches or whatever it may be. Uh, would you expect that um, you know Nebraska could continue to get uh, a little bit more active? post spring going into fall camp yeah i mean i think they're going to still stay active now i mean i think there's some guys that are in the portal i think right now what you got to do is reset the board figure out who is still available because you know think about last year you had some guys like Cade warner and trying to think uh, mccaffrey for example they waited until classes started to enter the portal so they could stay at their current school academically and there's guys like that that might be in the portal right now that wanted to stay, you know, for maybe one more academic semester because they want to graduate. Um, you know, like the TCU pass rusher, Mathis, he's staying at TCU this semester, so then he'll become a grad transfer. Um, so there's a lot of, I think, organization. And the transfer portal is just wild. And, you know, you don't even have time to think. I mean, it's like, take this guy or not, take this guy or not. I mean, you, you have to make, like, you know, program-altering decisions in hours. Well, the, the good news with that is with these transfer level recruits, at least you have a little bit more information about how they translate to the collegiate level. Now, sometimes it's FCS to, uh, you know, power five or whatever it is, or it's, uh, you know, Juco or whatever it may be, but at least you have a little bit more film. You have an idea 
a better idea of what you're getting, maybe opposed to the traditional high school route. So if you're going to have to make quick snap decisions, at least you have a lot more information at your disposal to, to feel confident that this guy is someone that can help you right away. You're listening here to the Husker online show as uh, we put a wrap on things. Nebraska will have signing day this Wednesday, and I don't even know if we'll have a press conference, Robin. Uh, there's the potential, obviously, of A.J. Allen, uh, the running back out of Louisiana, being in another additional signee. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of players, though, that Scott Frost has not talked about. I mean, when you think about all the way back in December. I mean, by the way, that signing day presser where we interview the new assistants, that feels like years oh, I ago. It does. It I mean, like, like, it feels like it's 2020 or something like that. And here we are now another signing day, and so much has changed with this roster with mm-hmm. incoming and outgoing guys, new coaches. So it will be interesting. I don't, we don't know yet um, if we'll have an opportunity this week to hear from Scott Frost. Um, but there are definitely a lot of questions from, you know, that people want to hear from Scott Frost. We want to meet. Brian Applewhite. Maybe we want to talk to Bill Bush um, now that he's official at Nebraska. So lots to kind of keep tabs on. Yeah, Mike Dawson transitioning to a, a different type of duty too. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that has not yet been addressed that's occurred in this wild off season. But good news is, even if it isn't a signing day press conference, we'll be hearing from them sooner than later. Uh, spring ball ramps up here at the end of February, and uh, we'll, we'll be off and running uh, with the 2022 season. All right, we got a full show on tap Much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Let's talk some things from Trev Alberts this week. But before we get to that round, this segment brought to you by our favorite sports bar in town, Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. I was in there again on Saturday. Don't judge. But I was watching NFL football playoffs. Uh, we, um, I think we caught, let's see, we were in there for the, um, the the finish of the 49ers-Packers game. And boy, what a weekend it was. What a place to be to watch the drama unfold. Um, Tanner's on 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Place was buzzing like always. Uh, great Husker fans, great football fans in the place. Um, it's also your spot to um, not only watch the NFL action this weekend, but get in there to watch Husker basketball. Husker basketball is home at 530 I believe right on Saturday yes yes. but they'll have the game on there as well Um, and you know they they always have the women's games on if they're on BTM plus so get into Tanner Sports Bar and Grill 30th Yankee Hill Road great specials cold beer Kino they got it all inside Tanner's it is the official segment sponsor here of the Husker Online Show Robin let's talk Trev Albert some a lot of things interesting um, he had to say on his radio show I was intrigued just to hear him talk about um, putting in natural grass surface at Memorial Stadium. Yeah, that kind of came out of left field. But I, I think he just wanted to get an idea, and it, it's a one-time $8 million fee. And I, I think after that, obviously, there's a lot of maintenance and, and things that you have to do to it. But I think the biggest deterrence from grass is you wouldn't be able to have a Garth Brooks concert type deal ever again. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to have high school state football finals in the stadium. You wouldn't be able to have graduation you would only get to play seven football games on that deal. 
Yeah, and just the uh, investments to maintain a grass field. We've seen uh, when it's done right, it can look fantastic. It can be a, just a, a gorgeous setting, but when it's not done right, and <clears throat> Northwestern, yes, or Purdue, or any of those where, uh, you know, it can be real hit and miss on the quality of your surface. And I mean, how many times has a Nebraska guy blown out his knee on Purdue's grass field? I mean, just because of the inconsistent maintenance of that grass. And so, I mean, I think that's a real issue you got to take into account, too, that. Yes, there are a lot of advantages, um, you know, for, for having a grass field, but I think there's there's a lot of cost that goes into that as well for an athletic department that probably needs to be a little tight with its money right now. And JoJo Dolman, he told me on uh, his podcast, you know, he loved playing on the grass at Oklahoma, and mm-hmm. obviously when they played at Michigan State, they played twice on grass this year, which doesn't happen very often anymore. Uh, but it's just the climate. You know, it's hard to, you know, you, you've got to grow that grass year-round mm-hmm. Um, you can't just let it die out and replant it every every summer. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it for sure. But um, it was interesting just to hear that was brought up. Uh, we're going to see Memorial Stadium, Robin, um, seat widening. And seat widening has been going on um, quietly. I think Trev has been much more transparent about it. They've added aisles and you know eliminated seats. They've done that already in previous regimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you didn't hear Sean Eichhorst or Bill Moose really talking about it as much. Um, but Trev kind of sized it up. He's like, look, there are some rows in the end zones, the north and the south, that have 27 seats. We're going to cut that down to 24 seats. Um, yeah. So they're going to cut out some capacity and you know, try to give everybody at least two more inches of, of space. Yeah, I mean, the idea of the bench spacing uh, from 1960 to 2020 just is not feasible anymore. People are bigger. And the idea of jamming 27 people into a row of whatever benches that probably could only fit 23, 24. Uh, I mean, that's, you, you want to talk about the state, the game day experience. That's a big complaint. With a knee in your back. Yeah, exactly. Ah. I mean, for one, you're squished up row to row, but then being side to side, like with no shoulder movement whatsoever. Uh, it's asking a lot for fans to continue to sit through that. So it's, it's at least one small step that I think they obviously have been making, but need to continue to make. Yeah, it will be um, the surveys. 20,000 people have already filled them out. Um, I'm sure there'll be more, but where that all goes, too. And, you know, I, I've heard the number could be around 70,000 is what Nebraska could bring Memorial. If they do everything they want to do, taking it from, I guess it's at 86 right now, uh, 88. I mean, there was a time when it was like 92. Mm-hmm. And then they've, they've slowly brought that thing back down to 86, 88 range. And, you know, I, I, I just think logically for fan experience, you've got to find a number that makes sense, um, you know, to improve the amenities for what you're asking um, for the ticket prices as well. No doubt. And I think a lot of that's going to be, um, you know, at the, the sacrifice of seat backs where instead of bench seating, you know, you're actually having real stadium seats where people can lean back and have cup holders and cup holders, those types of things that uh, have been neglected in my opinion for far too long. So if that means cutting down the, the capacity, then so be it. I mean, getting 70,000 people is still a great crowd, especially if they're comfortable and actually enjoying their experience there. And now no alcohol sales, at least on the horizon anytime soon. I think a lot of people were hoping that PBA and Pinnacle Bank or or, uh, Haymarket Park Park could go first because they already serve beer in those venues. They're, They're built for it. As we learned with Garth Brooks, Memorial Stadium is not built for beer sales. That was a disaster. I mean, it was just like... I mean, the the, the I mean, it was those twenty four ounce cans, which yeah. made it easier. But 
you know, you can only get two at a time. And if you were like with a group of four and you wanted to get everybody one, you couldn't do that. Uh-huh. Um, so it was all cash. It was all cash. And I mean, some of the guys, I mean, they demanded tips. I mean, it was, it was an interesting deal. I remember one guy goes, um, you know, basically like he wouldn't sell you a beer unless you tipped him. <laughs> So there's some some racket going on there, but uh, I got a, I got it pretty lucky where we were front row, and so like there were people on the field level that would just walk up and like hand us through the railing. So Bush Light avoided a quick. lot of that, but yeah, I uh, I've heard horror stories of the process of getting a beer. By the end of the night, it was down to like Mike's Hard Lemonade, <laughs> Mick Ultra. Mick Ultra. <laughs> Pick your poison, baby. <laughs> you know what? At that point, you know, you really don't care as, as much maybe as you did at the beginning. Well, 24-ounce beers, I mean, those last, too. I mean, they should last, theoretically. Should. Should is the key <laughs> word. Um, but, you know, the other thing Trev has talked about, and, and Scott Docterman from The Athletic, who does a great job covering the conference um, based out of Iowa, you know, the, the scheduling of the league, Robin, and the divisions. Right now, as we know, the Big Ten plays nine league games. So does the Big, tw- um, Big 12, and so does the Pac-12. The ACC and the SEC continue to play eight. We could see the Big Ten go back down to eight, theoretically, and then schedule alliance games. And I think that's where the debate remains. Is the Big Ten financially better off having games against the ACC and the Pac-12 versus maybe an additional conference game? Um, And that's what we don't know the answer to. And, you know, if they eliminate divisions, I think the thought would be everybody would have three protected games. For Nebraska, they would be Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. And then you would have five other games that you would get rotated in and out of your schedule. I think schedule flexibility is a no-brainer that they need to do. And that includes uh, some of those alliance scheduling games where you can mix up scheduling and create some more fan interest because – you know, for Nebraska fans, going and playing Miami is going to be a heck of a lot more interesting than you know going to play Rutgers. Or How about Boston College? You mean? Anything? Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, just mixing it up. I think that is good for both leagues to create some more fan interest, create some different matchups that otherwise would probably never happen, uh, and just you know be able to to mix it up and also give your your schools an opportunity to play some out of conference uh, competition that could bolster your non conference. Uh, schedule or resume when it comes to college football playoff time. One that would excite me too is Stanford because you know they they're on that quarterly or trimester, so their students probably wouldn't even be there That's in the September. Pack twelve to school that I would want to go to, and so you, I could been to. I could only imagine how many Nebraska fans would fill Stanford Stadium because they don't draw well mm-hmm. normally as it is because none of their alumni are from there. Yeah, <laughs> Palo Alto. I, I don't know what their pre pregame scene is out there, but Anchor Steam, yeah. <laughs> lots not of, lots of hipster beers and. I've been there for some rivals <laughs> camps. Um, met Jim Harbaugh there once when he was coaching at Stanford, and it's a beautiful, pristine campus. But yeah, they're they're kind of downtown strip. Probably not bush light tall boys readily no, available. No, a lot of. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like going to like a European like downtown. Absolutely. I mean, there's just so much money there, like between Silicon Valley and everything else. I, mean, I think the students there almost have to live on campus because I don't know how you could afford to live off campus. Yeah, no, the property would be way too much unless you're like one of those tech savant kids that you know just buys a house while you're going to school. So yeah, Stanford would be a fun trip only because you you know you're in the Bay Area, but just that area would be fun to go. Nebraska's never really played there in our lifetimes, so. Mm-hmm. But I do think the other part to that is, you know, while you're trying to branch out to other conferences, you do need to protect your your rivalries, and so I think that at least three games is certainly part of what they need to consider going forward because that's that's what 
conference identity a lot of it is built on is those long-standing rivalries of for nebraska it's a little bit different because you know they don't really have a true rival I mean, what's iowa and wisconsin and minnesota iowa, well wisconsin maybe it hasn't been all that competitive but you know you look at uh you know the iowa minnesota you know wisconsin minnesota all those you know those games that have been going on for 100 plus years uh you know there's a lot of value for the big 10 and other conferences to maintain those and make sure that they happen oh yeah ohio state michigan that they happen every year and so i think that's a big part of this discussion to where you want to be able to branch out and uh you know have some more intra-conference competition but you also want to make sure that you keep alive some of the hallmark rivalries that make your conference what it is this is what can't happen though like ohio state and michigan can't play to their back-to-back weeks and right you know one of the reasons why they put them back in the same division. If you remember in the legends and the leaders days, they were in the same division, Ohio state. Or, I'm sorry. They were in opposite divisions. Excuse me. So they would play yeah. the last weekend and theoretically they could have played again the next weekend for the title. And that never happened. But to me, that's a disaster. Remember that year UCLA played, I don't know if it was Washington or Oregon. They had to play them like back to back weeks in the yeah. pac 12. And that, I don't know how you avoid that because Ohio State Michigan has to be that weekend. I get it, but how do you avoid the rematch if that's the championship game? I don't know, and that's the the problem with that game always being the last game of the year. I mean, what? I don't know if it's avoidable. I, I think it's just kind of one of those deals. That, like this year, it could have been the rematch. Yeah, I mean, both those teams. I don't know if it would have been the. Re, I mean, Wisconsin and Iowa had good records, but yeah, that will be. If they go to 12, it won't really matter, though, the playoff. Like, if both those teams are playoff caliber, they'll both get in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's just kind of one of those deals. You just accept it for what it is. All right, when we come back on the show, I'm going to be joined by Nebraska baseball coach Lance Harville. Huskers open up practice this weekend. They're a top 20 team. We'll hear from Coach Harville next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here as uh, hard to believe, but we're in January, but it is the start of baseball season here in Nebraska and a lot of excitement uh, brewing up uh, as Nebraska ranked in a lot of the major polls. I think I've seen them as high as 20 um, heading into this 2022 season. And at the end of last year, uh, we were able to uh, talk to Assistant Coach Lance Harville quite a bit, uh, especially during the regional run and the Big Ten tournament run. And pleased to be joined here on the show uh, by Nebraska Assistant Baseball Coach Lance Harville as he gears his team up for the opening weekend to practice. Coach, it's like Christmas morning. Get to get outside and uh, get going. It is, yeah. I don't know that I'll be able to sleep on Thursday, so uh, <laughs> we'll get we'll get going on Friday and finally get out of. We've been doing skill instruction for the last two and a half weeks now, and uh, you know we're we're pretty much limited to just about forty five minutes to an hour uh, each day with them, and so it'll be nice, you know, once once Friday comes around and we're able to get into uh, team practice mode where we get to twenty hours a week, we essentially get you know what we've grown accustomed to the time wise a full week's uh, worth of work all in one day. So um, where we kind of start, you know, hitting the gas a little bit in preparation for the season. When you look back um, just on what last year did, I mean, now when you are around your guys, how much confidence, how much belief did it really instill in this off season now, as you guys kind of prepare for this 2022 season? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a two-pronged thing, you know, going in into that environment, you know, it's not like we just went to any regional 
Um, you know, we went to, to quite possibly one of the, the most, you know, maybe hostile environment, uh, in the country when, uh, you know, you got 15,000 plus fans, um, screaming at you and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, having those guys on in that environment on that stage performing the way that we did um is is huge they they've kind of you know they've they've seen it now and and anything um about the only only thing better than that environment is hosting one here at home you know and playing in front of your own fans and um you know and then giving yourself a shot to go you know an hour up the road uh to where you know you get a you get a home field advantage playing in the college world series and you get 25,000 Husker fans cheering for you but um being in that environment you know was 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 good for our guys um performing well in that environment was good for them coming back and as as crazy as it sounds um coming up just short you know they come back and and they're they're hungry you know i mean there's there's a lot to be said for that that uh you know, we went in there with with nothing to or nothing to lose last year, and now we come back this year with something to prove. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of the what what we've kind of seen uh, so far with the mentality of our team this year. We're talking to Nebraska assistant baseball coach Lance Harville as the Huskers open up practice here this weekend. And you know, coach, looking at the schedule, um, you guys will go to Texas, I believe, the first three weekends, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Sam Houston, then TCU, and then UT Arlington. Um, then you got Long Beach State coming in to Lincoln for a, a mid-March weekend series. Um, then A&M Corpus Christi. I mean, when you kind of look at how you guys built your non-conference schedule, uh, what jumps out about kind of how you guys built the schedule uh, to get this team set for this 2022 season? Yeah, so, you know, you, you want to kind of start, obviously, with just location-wise. Um, if, if we're not able to play at home early in the season, you know, right out of the gate, um, going somewhere where you know you're going to get some games in, so that usually means heading south or heading west um, for the most part. But um, we it wasn't necessarily by design that we were going to be in, in Texas all three weekends. Uh, we were actually supposed to host San Diego State here that third weekend, and then they ended up kind of double booking, and, and uh, they, they scheduled us and Arizona State on the same weekend. And so we kind of got left holding the bag on that one um, and had to just kind of jump in. And just the way it worked out, which the you know you're trying to find games, and you the last thing you want to do is is you know only play you know 52 or 53 games on a on a 56 game schedule, and so um, we had to kind of do what we could and, and find the the best possible route there. And just the way it worked out, we're going to end up going back back to Arlington, but in that third week. But um, it's it's going to be good, you know. That first first three weeks, these are all teams that that we're all familiar with, obviously, with our ties to Texas and and to, you know Sam Houston State, obviously where I came from and coached there for five years, and uh, the the head coach there was our our pitching coach when I was there, and so I I know you know a lot of their players and that program inside now, um, so that'll be a good challenge for us, you know, uh, right out of the gate, and we actually able to pick up an extra game there. So being able to play four games that opening weekend is going to be good. Get a lot of guys, you know, some game reps and some action and, um, you know, get some of these new guys, uh, you know, get their, get their feet wet a little bit. And then the next weekend, go, go back down there and, and get to go play in the Rangers ballpark and play, play TCU. Who's, who's going to have a really good team this year. So you, you kind of like that, Nick, but it's, you know, it's challenging. Um, you get some, 
you get some quality programs right out of the gate and uh, and it's it's going to be fun i mean i know we're looking forward to it we're not skipping any steps here uh leading up to it but uh but we're looking forward to heading down there and, and competing I'm sure your family's um, on the coaching staff with all the Texas ties. They're probably the most happy. You guys are going to be back in Texas for three weekends. So they won't have to drive up here every weekend. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets to see grandma and grandpa and all that, all that kind of stuff. You know, tickets are going to be at a premium, uh, but uh, so that's a good problem to have. <laughs> now, um, when you talk about the pitching staff for you guys, um, kind of—I mean, I know it's early. But when you kind of project or kind of size up what your potential um, three-game series weekend rotation could be, I mean, how does it look today right now when you kind of eyeball that rotation potentially? Yeah, I think um, we, we probably have uh, – I mean, top to bottom, our, our pitching staff um, is just it, – it's, it's just rock solid. You know, a lot of times you'll have your front-end guys – and then it kind of really starts to drop off from there. You know, the, the good teams will have, you know, a solid um, weekend rotation and then, you know, maybe maybe three or four arms in the bullpen. I mean, for us right now, I mean, it's it's every every guy coming uh, coming at us. Like, when we're, you know, we've been facing live uh, – having live ABs and, and facing live hitters and live pitchers now for a couple of weeks. But um, – there's not much of a drop off. I would say right now probably are one A and one B. Uh, it's probably Kyle Perry and Shea Shanneman. Um, those two guys, maybe you know, depending on if you want me to put a, a Friday night guy or whatever, that may just depend on the matchup, you know, and who we're who we're playing. Um, so I know Sam Houston, they're, you know, they've got or whoever it is we're playing, they have a left-handed heavy uh, lineup. You know, you might see Perry out there game one. Um, but those guys are really, I mean, interchangeable as far as, uh, you know, the ace of the staff is, is those two guys. And then after that, you've got Dawson McCarville, who's a grad transfer from Grand Canyon, who was rock solid all fall, has been good um, these last, you know, few weeks since we've been back. Cody Frank has been really good. You know, he pitched a lot for us in multiple roles last year out of the bullpen. You know, he probably, um, you know, he could have been one of our starters last year as well. Um he could kind of be that utility guy, um, but he's in the mix for, for a starting spot too. Um, you know, Emmett Olson may, may be one that if he's not, you know, kind of at the back end of the game, he could be a guy that's that's starting too. So we, we kind of have, you know, probably five guys. Uh, and oh, Jake Buns, six. Jake Buns is another guy um, who could be in contention for, for a starting spot. So out of those six guys, you know, it's they're all plenty talented enough and, and they've been all, you know, really really good since we've been back and, and it's good to kind of have that competition um you know those six guys fighting for for those three or four spots where does a newcomer like drew crystal fit in in this this uh first year for him at nebraska he's he's gonna pitch quite a bit you know you can't you can't deny that kid's talent um and just the type of kid that he is the type of competitor the type of work ethic that he has um he's the guy that if if his if his talent's not forcing you to play him um, his, <laughs> the, his competitiveness is, um, and he's, you know, he's a guy that obviously, you know, came to school, turned down some money in the draft and, and all that to come to school. Um, and he's very driven. He's, you know, he's been working on some stuff just as far as sharpening up, um, some of his, you know, the breaking ball and the off speed command, the fastball command, all that. Um, but 
I mean, that's a guy that I think if he's out there, he's going to get plenty of innings for us. And if he's out there, I don't think anyone, uh, any one of our coaches um, is going to second guess what he's doing just because of the type of kid that he is, the type of, you know, time and effort and work that he puts in uh, to being as best he can be. I mean, he's, he's, he's the guy you want. Hey, Coach, as we wrap it up, i got to tell you this uh, quick story. Uh, Trey Palmer, the LSU transfer wide receiver, I just interviewed him this week, and he was a baseball player, and he just said, make sure you let those guys know I can pitch run if they need somebody in May and June to, to run some bases for him. He's a 10-4 electronic in the 100 and a 21-1 in the 200. So if you need a, um, uh, another set of legs, um, look up Trey Palmer. I am in on that. I will set aside a pair of cleats uh, for that guy if he wants to come swipe a few bags we'll make sure he's got some cleats and make sure he knows the steel signs <laughs> just go but hey coach best yeah. of luck as you guys open up this weekend um or open up practice this weekend and uh, there's going to be a lot of interest and haymarket park's going to be packed all all uh, all spring here and i know everyone's excited so uh, thank you for the time yeah we can't wait appreciate it sean all right much more to come um we're actually going to hear from trey palmer next you're listening here to the husker online show this is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, as I told you earlier, I had the chance to catch up with Nebraska's newest wide receiver edition, Trey Palmer, from LSU. You can hear that entire interview on the Husker Online YouTube channel. But here's a snippet of my time with Trey Palmer here earlier in the week. Trey, uh, first of all, welcome to Nebraska, and uh, obviously I'm sure it's been kind of a whirlwind for you, but uh, welcome to Nebraska. I'm sure it's good to kind of get back to work now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm ready to put on the show for the people. Well, yeah, g- give us an idea kind of what the last few months have been like for you. Um, you had a very good career at LSU. Um, I've done a lot of things there. I put your name in the transfer portal, um, kind of – Give us an idea of how things played out for you over the last month or so and how you ended up at Nebraska. I mean, it planned out all good. I mean, I knew I was going to hit the transfer portal, like, after the last game. You know, I had rumors going around that Kodamika was leaving and stuff. So I was like, mm-hmm. And I ain't, they ain't never, you know, um, they ain't never, like, I ain't never, like, seen or heard that they'll go get a new offensive wide receiver coach or, you know, anything like that. But, like, as far as the transfer portal and knew I was coming to Nebraska, I mean, I had it on my mind the whole time. I just wanted to keep it in front of people, you know, let it flow through me, you know, feel the process again. Yeah, when Mickey Mickey Joseph went to Nebraska, um, how big of an impact did that play in this process for you? I mean, it played a big part because, you know, Mickey from Nebraska, you know, he said a great thing about Nebraska and he, like, one of the, you know, best quarterback to come through Nebraska and they played a big role and I just did my research on Nebraska and football. So. Yeah. What, um, I mean, when you went into the portal being a former five-star guy, what was it like though? Did you have a ton of people uh, reaching out to you? Um, I mean, how, how did you kind of filter all the different people trying to maybe get your attention during that time when you were in the transfer portal? Yeah. I, I, I you know, I felt it, but like I already in my mind, I already knew where I was going when I hit it. So, yeah. What uh, what did you gain at LSU just over the time you were there, the experience you got playing in front of SEC stadiums and crowds? What did you gain in that experience, and how are you going to use that now here in the Big Ten Conference? It, de- it developed me as a young man. 
Because when I first got there, I was childish, you know, a little boy. And it, like, helped me get my mind right and focus on, you know, what, what I need to focus on. And What a yeah, – yeah, just that that experience. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but that experience, Um, you know, what was the – kind of speak more on that and kind of some of the things you gained again. I'm sorry to cut you off. I learned a lot of stuff from the receivers that came from previous years, and you see what they do in the league. I gained a little game from them, and they put me on game. You know, certain techniques you can beat this and beat that, and I'm coming here to dominate. Yeah, when you watch like a Bengals game and you see Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, and you see some of the other guys that you played with or were a part of LSU. Um, I mean, what did you learn from those guys? And and for you, how fun is it to watch Sunday football now? When you say, you know, I played with him, I played with him, and it's got to be kind of fun watching NFL Sundays now. <laughs> Dream like I know, you know, I dreamed of like watching people that you know I played with in the NFL and not seeing this coming true and they really dominate the league. It's really crazy and amazing. Were you surprised? Um, you played, did you play with Joe Burrow then for one yes. year? Um, when you saw him at LSU, um, you know, and now what he's doing in the NFL, uh, any surprise at all with what he's been no. able to accomplish? These, I see these these guys, my brothers, do this day in, day out, every practice, no days off. Like, I seen this, so I knew it was coming. Like, they do this every day at practice, they compete, and that's where I get my competitor from, looking up to them. They compete every day, no days off. You're coming into Nebraska now. There's 17 newcomers that are here now that have joined the team for spring practice and the winter conditioning. Um, how do you guys kind of integrate yourself into the team and, and kind of you know, work yourself into this locker room. Just trying to gain, gain family, you know, like a brotherhood, and then take over the Big Ten. What do you think of the receiver room? I mean, there's some pretty, you know, it's highly big. ranked guys out here too. I mean, what do you, what kind of potential is in this receiver room when you hey, look at it? It's going to be fun to watch. I'm just letting the people know, Husker Nation know, it's going to be fun to watch. Who's a guy or two that's already impressed you or surprised you just, you know, being able to work out with them in that receiver room? Alante and Omar. Alante Brown and Omar Manning. What do you like about those two guys? They compete. They got the same competitive as me. Like we compete every day. Even you know, even when we just lifting, we compete. You know, we just want to be great. And I like that about those guys. Now a lot of people have said um you could be a kick and a pump returner. Is that something you want to do at Nebraska? I mean, that's an area where they haven't really been able to find the right guy the last few years. Can you that's return punts and kicks? Yeah, I'm finna put on a show for the people, for the Husker Nation and everybody around. I'm finna put y'all on the show. Y'all about to see one of the best returners ever come through Nebraska. So when you when you um kind of signed on, is that something you talked about? Like not only can I play receiver, I want to be a return guy, or do they talk to you about that as well? Yeah, so they talked about it, but I told them, hey, if I'm fighting for that. If anybody got it, I'm, I'm trying to get that. So when you committed, did you commit to Coach Frost then, or was it to Mickey Joseph? I mean, how, how did it kind of play out when you made your announcement to those guys? I committed to the whole staff. I told them I was coming. And you announced it publicly, like on a Saturday on Instagram, if I remember right. But did you tell them kind of before that? I mean, or was this that the same day? No. I told them beforehand, and I just posted it on that Saturday. Made us all wait for the news. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, we got a lot of questions here. Um as uh, we're we're doing Husker Chat Live with wide receiver Trey Palmer. Just a few comments. First of all, Brett says, go Big Red. Um, 
Uh-huh. Let's see. I already asked this question. You wanted to know right away. Everyone wants to know you returning kicks and punts. Yes. You got that answer already. Um, a lot of welcome to Nebraska, Trey. Welcome. Let's see. Glad to have you here at Nebraska. When you look at – here's another question here from uh, Vince. Do you have any personal connections with other players and receivers on the team coming from Louisiana? Do you know guys even like Dakotas Crawford who will be coming here um, in the summer? Yes. Me and Dakota has been talking ever since, you know, he was committed to LSU. we always been talking, you know, what we would go do and stuff. And I'm really gaining a, a brother, a brother like from home with Alante because we talk every day. We play the game every day. And it's just like he becoming my brother. Your speed, I, I know when I looked at your bio, you, did you run a 10-4 in high school? My best, I ran a 10-4 at state, but my best one was a 10-3. 10-3 electronic, right? Yeah. Wow. So did you ever consider running track at LSU when you were there or just I was, but, and I wanted to focus on football. <laughs> so did you um, win state with that time, or how did you place at state with a 10-4? I won it. You won it, yeah. So the – um, I'm guessing there aren't two. I mean, LSU had some fast. How how did your speed rank on that roster when you played at LSU? I mean, I don't like to speak on myself, but you could ask the players that play with me. They can tell you how how explosive I'm in when I get the ball in my hand. You know, a year ago, Nebraska was able to get a lot of explosive plays with Samore Torre. He's obviously now gone. Do you envision yourself a guy that can kind of be that big play receiver for this offense next year? Yes, sir. Um, as we continue taking questions here uh, with Trey Palmer, did you choose Nebraska over the other schools? And this is from Alex. What made me choose Nebraska over the schools? I saw Mickey, and I really trust Mickey. He wouldn't lead me wrong. And I like, I want to change the program because I, I saw last year Nebraska had a lot of close games, and I want to, I like that to, to see that they, you know, close games. But now nah, I'm going to show y'all. We going to show y'all. Was really got, a, got another question here, Joe. Uh, super excited to have you here as a Husker. What are you expecting your role on the team to be this year? I just want to be a leader and lead by example. Got another question here from Laura. Um, Laura wants to know what makes Mickey Joseph such a great coach. What makes me <laughs> such a great coach? He like a daddy to you. He loved all his like all his players like they they like they his son, and he go treat them like they his son, and he keep it great. Does he get on? I mean, will he get after guys a little bit when he has to? If you do something wrong, he go get on your head. He go get on. <laughs> For real. It, and the players responded well to that. I assume. I mean, you, yes, sir. That's the what, respect. So that's what we like. We like when somebody on us because that that shows that they care. And they, you know, they there for you, not just because you're good at football or something. He's there for you as a person. Got another question here about just your goals. What goals do you have both academically and athletically? Uh, what are you studying at Nebraska right now? I'm studying studying human development, and I just want to graduate and make all B's and A's this semester. And for football, academic, athletic, I want to just be great. Just work on my fundamentals every day. And it goes shows in the season. 
got another question here from Raymond, more of a comment. He goes, I love it. He has no conf uh, no confidence problems, and that's what we've been missing. Welcome to Nebraska. Has confidence always been something uh, that you've had? I mean, the way you've played the game? Yes, sir. That's how you got to move by. If you ain't confident, then what you out there for? <laughs> another question here. Um, what do you bring to the table as a wide receiver? <laughs> yeah, I'll go see this spring. I ain't going to even say too much. You just go see. You got to wait until April 9th, right? Sir, don't want to miss it. Kyle wants to know who is your roommate right now? Isaiah and Javi. Isaiah um, is one of the newcomers as well. Yes, uh, the receiver that came in. So you guys, yeah, you came in with quite a group of newcomers. Um, how close are you guys already just kind of being the new guys in the locker room? We just, everything like, it's like we never like a, a home away from home. Like everybody just close and just talking to each other. And once again, thanks to Trey Palmer for joining me here this week on Husker Online. You can catch that full interview on the Husker Online YouTube channel. Much more to come. We're going to close the show with your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Final segment of the show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washup. We'll be joined by Abby Barmore here taking your questions in the mailbag. But before we get to that, this segment of the show is brought to you by the 2022 Air Lingus College Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland, featuring Nebraska and Northwestern. It is the first game of the college football season. And guess what, Robin? You could start buying your tickets starting on January 31st. They go on sale on Huskers.com. Oh, boy. Um, this will be the first offering to the general public for the game itself. Uh, before, you had to obviously be tied to one of the great travel packages on Huskers2Ireland.com. You can still, by the way, get on a package. It's not too late. And they have fixed airfare costs on there as well, um, depending on what airline you want to go on. Uh, obviously, Aer Lingus, but if you can't make Aer Lingus work, they have options to get you to Dublin on American. They've got it on United. Um, pretty much all carriers, um, they have an option that can get you to Dublin for this game in August. Um, so get online. If you've got your trip already planned and don't have game tickets, get online and get those tickets on Monday, January 31st when they go on sale on Huskers.com. But let's get to the mailbag. Abby Barmore joining us here in studio. What do you have to lead us off? Perfect. So we're going to do a couple of newcomer superlatives, including the transfers and the recruits. So who is most likely to succeed, most likely to be a surprise in a good way, and most underrated? All right. Um, I would say the most likely to succeed, the easy one is is, is Casey Thompson. Um, but I'll, I'll throw another one in there. Um, I, I do think the running back, Anthony Grant, is in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I mean, Thompson's the obvious one, uh, and Grant's up there too. I'll change it up and say uh, on offense, maybe one of those wide receivers. Um, you know, obviously Trey Palmer is coming here with a, a lot of profile uh, with coming from LSU and being a former five-star. So um, as a receiver, as a returner, I think he's certainly going to be in that conversation. Um, and then what were the other ones? Surprise and what? Underrated. Surprise. Under, you, you okay. Surprise or underrated, Sean? My, my surprise one – I'm going to say one of the receivers, Isaiah Garcia uh, Castand or Casaneda. Um, I, I just think he's not a guy people are talking about, but he has proven statistics. He's one of the fastest guys on this roster already, and he had a lot of Power Five offers in the portal. This wasn't just like a guy that had only Nebraska. 
He had Minnesota, he had Iowa State, he had Arizona. He had a number of opportunities as a New Mexico State wide receiver. So I think Isaiah Garcia, uh, Cost- um, now I'm blank. I, I had the name <laughs> down right. Um, I did my Husker chat. Castaneda. Li- Castaneda, yeah. Um, even my mother-in-law who's from Cuba. I had, like, I had to ask Marilyn. I go, how do you, m- I want to get this right. I had it right, and I just butchered it <laughs> on live radio. Sorry about that, guys. Well, you're all good. Uh, yeah, that's, that's certainly a good one for surprise. Um, and then I'll say... I mean, probably for me, it's going to be one of those defensive backs. And I don't know if I, you, we just talked about Omar Brown and how immediate of an impact he could have. He's, he's in that conversation. Maybe Tommy Hill, uh, I think, is a guy that I think could push for playing time right away out of the gate. So I'll put one of those two as my surprise. And underrated, that's the one we're going with next. Sure. I'll say... <laughs> I'm curious to see what Deshaun Singleton does. I think he's a guy that got here early and kind of people forgot about him a little bit. He was one of the first veteran transfer additions that they brought in for that secondary. And I think that he's a guy that I think could be in the mix when all said and done. I'll say long-term underrated. Um, I'm going to go with Gage Stanger for Millard South. Mm. I just think um, that was one that really um, Nebraska fell into. And I think he's going to work out pretty good. All right, next question. Um, which of the offensive line additions or red shirts do you think will make a push for the starting job this fall? Um, I, I think there's really one for me, Henry Lutoski. I saw pictures of him this winter, and, man, he, he's really reshaped his body. They were high on more. him last year. And they were, yeah, and so I, I'll go Lutoski. Um, I think he's the one that I, I think now, especially since Nebraska didn't really get anybody in the, in the portal, um, Hunter Anthony, they got him. They got Kevin Williams. I still don't think those are like program-changing transfers, though. Yeah, I'm curious to see where they stack up against what they already have. And there's a chance that they could push for a starting job. But just knowing what the staff thought about Henry Lutovsky last year um, and you know the, the opportunity that's ahead at one of those, in, those guard spots, I think that he has a prime offseason ahead of him. What do you got next, Abby? Assuming that Casey Thompson is the guy this fall, what does he bring to the table that Adrian Martinez didn't? Um, I think the biggest thing he brings to the table, he's a better, to me, from what I can tell, he's better at the medium throws. Adrian Martinez can hit the short throws. A lot of quarterbacks can. Adrian Martinez was good at reading one-on-one coverage and hitting the deep ball to guys that could get open. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wasn't very good at necessarily threading the needle and, and seeing those you know, medium throws. I think Casey Thompson is going to be better at the medium throw, which honestly is as important as any throw. Do you think the slant route comes back to Nebraska's offense? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think that goes exactly with what you were just talking about. Those intermediate throws, Nebraska did not run them. They, they threw one about, pick and it got or one slant and it got picked at Michigan State. When they threw the one to, it was kind of a deeper slant to Omar Manning. It went for like 25, 30 yards. They didn't run it. And so that was a, a, a route that has been absent from Nebraska's passing game for far too long. And hopefully with a quarterback in Casey Thompson, it's going to make a little bit quicker decisions, going to be a little more decisive with the ball earlier in the play. That route can be factored in a lot more because it needs to be. All right. What do you have next, Abby? What is your guess on what Trev Alberts is going to do with the basketball program? Does Fred Hoiberg need to do a similar thing as Scott Frost and kind of restructure his staff? Robin? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the way things are headed, uh, the idea that Nebraska is just going to continue status quo and try to keep doing what they're doing, 
I don't know if you can do it. Uh, right now, the results over the past three years have been completely unacceptable. Uh, you're past the grace period of the, the rebuild process, and they got to do something to you know, try to get this thing back on track. And uh, if things, like I said, if, if things progress the way that they have, and this is another single digit win season, uh, they got to, they got to try to make some pretty, pretty massive shakeups, probably some staff changes uh, and maybe some stylistic approach uh, to what they, they want to be to maybe better fit what the big 10 does. And then maybe just uh, some different concepts with their roster management and try to recruit to the big 10, as opposed to recruiting to their system. It just seems to me, Robin, I, I, if Trev Alberts wouldn't write a check to Scott Frost, he's not going to write a check to Fred Hoiberg of that right. caliber. They have bigger fish to fry right now. They're trying to rebuild their stadium. They got a new <laughs> football facility coming. They uh, are trying to make football get back on track. So uh, the idea that the basketball coach is like on the uh, front of Trev Alberts' mind right now is I think, probably pushing it a little Two bit. more, Abby. We got two more. With lots of new blood, who do you think will be Nebraska's starting defensive backs? Um. Quentin Newsom, I think you have to start there. Farmer. And Miles Farmer. I mean, those are kind of two, if you're just being logical about your thoughts today, they're going to be in there. It's Isaac Gifford, that nickel, I don't know. I think Tommy Hill's one I'm going to watch closely. And, man, you would like to see Noah Pola Gates move up there, but he's yeah. going to have a lot of competition. If it doesn't happen now. I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, he's really been here three years now, and he needs to break through. If it doesn't, yeah, he's – because the amount of competition, I am so intrigued too, Robin, by the way, about Omar Brown. I think Omar yeah. Brown. We'll see what these newcomers bring. Like you mentioned Tommy Hill, Omar Brown. You know They got Javier Morton coming in too, Deshaun Singleton. So there's a lot of new blood in that room that we'll see kind of how they change the dynamic of that. But based off what we know last year, obviously Braxton Clark, he's got starting experience. I think he's going to be in competition for that other corner spot. And I don't know. People keep asking about Tyreek Johnson. I, I'm really not even considering him in the mix right now. No, yeah. I mean, he didn't travel. He didn't play special teams. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, the <laughs> the fact we were projecting him as maybe one of the top 50 players going into the season, and clearly that did not work out. <laughs> Excuse me. Final question. With all the stadium renovation talk, what is your favorite college stadium that you've been to? Oh, man. I mean – like in terms of just atmosphere, I mean, you can go one way. Like going to like Michigan is like just like a what you'd expect. Going to the Rose Bowl, yeah, for UCLA. If you're like a college football purist, like the Rose Bowl, I mean, like the stadium itself is just kind of what it is. But like, if you're a huge college football fan, it's a big deal because you see the Rose Bowl logo on walking in. There's the mountains when you have the press box. You get to oversee the the, the stadium. Oregon's was super cool. Um, yeah, that was cool. Just because of how I think different Minnesota, it was. I mean, Minnesota's. Like, yeah. I mean, from a fan experience and just like a, a yeah, fa fan media experience, I think that's right up there with just the amenities they have, how nice everything is, the fact that it's right downtown. Uh, it's a really great setup in Minnesota. But then there's other stuff, you know, like Wisconsin Stadium's a dump, but their atmosphere is awesome. You know, the jump around, there's nothing like it. I mean, they're, like they're, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Maryland, their stadiums were dumps. I know. Indiana. Yeah. So there, there's some real clunkers in the big Remember tent. Indiana, those stairs in the press box? Yes. I mean, there was some reporters that I had mean, trouble getting up and down those stairs. I mean, it was like doing like a 48-inch box jump <laughs> on these stairs. I mean, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. And, like, there were a couple older reporters that have had hip issues. Yes. And, I mean. It was hard. It was it was a grind. And the horseshoe at night that's pretty sweet. I mean, when they're when they were rolling, there's 100 
10, almost 1,000 people there. Uh, that was a pretty hostile environment. That was pretty cool. I've been to Penn State now over a course of – first time I ever visited there was 2001. I've been to a game there in 02. They've literally not updated or upgraded that stadium in 20 no, years. Not at all. And but it's, the, it's what they do for an update, for what they do years. is feed you though. I mean, like it, it's literally <laughs> like going to a church picnic. Yes, it's a potluck and where you can have everything from like enchiladas, pie, to lasagna to you know pork chops. Basically, ribs. Everything. I saw ribs. There. Ribs there. Full Philly sandwiches. All at once. Like it's not a, a game by game theme. Like it's literally like whatever in phases. Whatever somebody's grandma decided to cook for the game, they bring it up there in a crock pot, and there it is. And like literally, you sliced your and, own pie, and it's fantastic. And then there was like ice cream cooler. So Penn State. They have chairs that like rip your pants and <laughs> bathrooms that don't have hot water. If you're in the second row, you can't see over other people's laptops on the field. So you kind of got to pick how you view like between laptop screens. It's a real mess. But yeah, that, that that's one of the worst. Um, Oklahoma was really cool to go there this year. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was nice. Hadn't been there in a while. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking Big 12. There wasn't a lot as far as that went. K-State's um, remodeled. They're Austin nicer. was pretty good. I mean, just because it's you know, different. But... Oh, uh, College Station, 12th man. I remember when oh, they... Oh, God. That's a weird one. I mean, it's like it's like full-blown military. I mean, like their band is like a bunch of like uh, you know guys in uh, you know full military garb you know, with their all brass. They do all these interweaving halftime show. And then they, when they wrap around their arms and like sway back and forth, it's like the same type of deal as the jump around where the press box shakes. I don't know if it's still like that because didn't they tear it down or like they renovated it? Renovated it. So maybe that's Um, not the case anymore. But back in the mid two thousands, that was pretty sweet. What I remember about that last game there in two thousand ten, the Taylor Martinez game, where uh, Bo like went off on him. Like it was Musburger and Herb Street doing the broadcast, and Ben Cotton got the business. And they came up to (laughs) after that episode with Bo, um, and he was going nuts. They like came up to Keith Mann, the media relations director, and I just remember Musburger and like his voice. Oh boy, Keith! Oh, that was something, Keith. You know, like <laughs> Keith just like shook his head. Oh boy, Keith! That's, that's more like Keith Jackson than Musburger. <laughs> but anyway, that wraps it up for the mailbag, Abby. Thank you very much. Uh, should be uh, maybe some recruiting news to follow this weekend. Make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com. Baseball practice opens. There's basketball as well, um, and obviously we'll have plenty of more on the podcast channel, on the YouTube channel. So check them out at HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.